On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about, well, reasonings that people make and rationalizations that people make about how to determine what's right and what's wrong. And a lot of people are using the wrong reasoning and rationalization to determine what is right and wrong. And so we're going to talk about wrong ways to determine the right way on the virtual Bible study, and we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, September twelfth, two 2019. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is preaching in Kentucky tonight, and in his spot is uh, Monty Overton. Monty, welcome to the program. Good to see you tonight, Jake. I'm glad to be here. Glad that you're here and looking forward to talking about uh, this important subject with you. We're glad that you're on the other end of the line tonight, and we look forward to you being a part of the discussion as well. You can participate by giving us a call at 877-381-4567, toll free. You can sign in the chat room with other listeners tonight. A little bit different way to get to our video feed tonight. Hopefully you're you're finding us there, um, but uh, we want you to, to join in the chat room and uh, we want you to give us a call uh, toll-free or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Before we get started, Monty, we need to start letting our listeners know about an important uh, series of lessons that will be presented at the College View Church of Christ starting October 13th. Yeah, we've got a gospel meeting coming up. We're going to have good speakers there. Uh, there's going to be a lot of valuable Bible information presented to us that will be helpful for us. So if you can be here, if you're in a reasonable driving distance, try to be here for that each night at 7 o'clock. And if not, you could pick it up on the live stream. We'll be streaming that, I believe. That's right. Kyle will be getting us out on the air for that if you're not anywhere near Columbia, Tennessee. But the best way for you to participate is, uh, no doubt, uh, for you uh, to be here uh, October 13th through 18th. Uh, Find out more information on our website, uh, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. Okay, on the program tonight, we want to talk about wrong ways to determine the right way. Now, hopefully that uh, that title and that topic is uh, is self-explanatory, clear enough to understand. There may be some confusion what we mean about that. What we're talking about, Monty, is there there are a lot of ways that people try to determine what's right and what and what they should do. They people want to do the right thing. I think in general people are interested so. in doing the right thing. But we come to that the wrong way many times. We use the wrong reasoning, the wrong rationale to determine what we should do. And we're going to look at some of the wrong reasonings that people use on the program tonight. The problem with that is that when people are using the wrong reasonings to try to determine what's right and wrong, the conclusion they come up with is typically wrong. It's wrong. It's And that's a very dangerous position to be in when you are using this wrong reasoning. And we're going to show that uh, the, the, how bad this reasoning can be. So earlier today I sent out uh, ten um, reasons that people use 
uh, and um, and wrong reasonings that people give. Actually, yeah, there were ten, and our listeners have added some more. So we're going to dig into that list starting right now. The first reason that we hear a lot is, well, it seems right to me. It seems right to me that I should do this or that. It, to me, it seems right. Monty, your thoughts on that reasoning that someone might give? Well, it seems to me that's not a new concept. Uh, back at the beginning of time, we read about Cain and Abel and the sacrifices they were making. And the Bible tells us that the sacrifice that Cain made was not acceptable to God. It seems clear that God had given them instructions on what he wanted to do to be worshiping him and how he expected to be conducted and carried out. And it seems that Cain chose a different way, and I'm absolutely certain that it seemed the right thing to him to do. I have no doubt of that, that his intentions was good, and it felt like the substitutions or differences he made in the worship, he felt like they were good things. They seemed like the right thing to do to him, but God warned him that it wasn't acceptable. And so this is not a new concept that people try to make that distinction if it seems right to me. But that didn't work at the beginning of time. And as we look through other examples in the Bible where people made substitutions other than what God had authorized, that didn't work out. It was always a wrong thing. All right. I'm thinking about Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25. And, I mean, this this really just cuts right to the chase here as we think about, well, it seems right to me, so it must be right. It's to me it seems like the right thing to do. Look at Proverbs 16, verse 25. There is a way that seemeth right to a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, how can you get much clearer than that, Monty? I, mean, I don't know you could get any clearer. The, the proverb writer says, you know, there's a way that's going to seem right to you, and you do that if you just follow your own gut, your own intuition. You're going to end up in a very bad spot. Yeah, uh, the Bible also tells us God said. His ways are not our ways, and his way of thinking is not our thinking. So if we're relying on our thinking and what seems right to me, that's not the way God thinks. That's not the way God looks at things, and so it's obviously not going to work. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. And so you just do what seems right to you. Uh, you're going to be in a very bad spot. Well, that passage is basically telling us that we don't have the capacity or the capability of directing ourselves, of deciding what's right and wrong and, and determining that on our own. All right, Jeremiah chapter 7. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Um, um, that, I was looking for that passage you were referencing there, and I, I'm, it's not coming up. But, yeah, the idea that, that our God is the one who has to make the calls, not me. I can't say, well, it seems right to me. I've got to be submitting to God and his will. Along those lines, we ask the question of our listeners, what about that uh, that rationale, that reasoning, that it just seems right to me? Kent in Calhoun, Georgia says it seems, but just because it seems right to you does not make such right. If it is not authorized by the New Testament of Christ, it is sinful regardless of how it seems to you. He references Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, a passage that we're going to reference numerous times tonight. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So we've got to do it in his name or by his authority. You know, that's the problem, I think, that people don't understand what that phrase, in his name, means. Because uh, they think as long, they can do whatever they want to, whatever seems right to them, as long as they tack God or Jesus' name on the end of it. And say, well, we're doing it in his name. But that in his name has the idea of the, and the concept of doing things by his authority. 
So if we're doing something in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're doing something because he's authorized us. He's told us. He's made it clear to us that's what he wants to do. It's not just something we picked out and decided that he'd be happy with it. It's what he's told us he's going to be happy with. All right, so not just what you think's right. And then uh, he references Second John, verse 9, Whosoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. So you've got to abide within the instructions, the, the authority that God has given us in his word, to go beyond it and just do what you think is right. Well... That's outside that's that outside. doctrine. That's that's my doctrine. That's not Christ's doctrine. And you don't have God. You don't have God when you do that. You're not in fellowship with God when you're following your own gut, your own intuition, doing what you think's right. We've got to go back to the authority of God's word. And if I'm not staying in that God's word, like it mentioned, I'm a lost person. I'm not a saved person. I've, I'm, I'm not inside God. I don't have God. So therefore, I'm in a terrible bind. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com tonight on the program the next one up is very similar to it but it's a little bit different so people say well i understand what you're saying that we can't make up our own decision but i just don't see anything wrong with it money i just don't see anything wrong with that you know uh this is what i want to do and uh for the life of me i just can't see anything wrong with it sometimes i think uh we're terribly biased in that Sometimes I think we're willfully ignorant when we make that kind of statement. My my kids, when they were younger, and I would tell them to do something or not to do something, especially, I guess, if I told them they couldn't do something. Well, why not? Well, because we're not going to, because I said so. Well, I don't see anything wrong with it. Well, for one thing, I didn't ask them what they seen right or wrong with it. But for another thing, as the authority figure in that situation, I was the one to determine what was right and wrong. So, but But a lot of times I think when we say that, we don't see anything wrong with it because we don't want to see anything wrong with it. We think it's a good idea. We've decided that it seems right to us, and it seems like a good idea, and so we're sort of blissfully ignorant on it or even self-inflicted ignorance on it, I think. So we might ought to ask the question, do I see anything right with it? By the Scriptures, can I compare that to the Bible and see that it's a right thing, not that I just don't want to see anything wrong with it. Yeah, this gets back to that question of authority, Monty. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it may seem perfectly right to us, and we may see nothing wrong with it. But we've got to go back and ask ourselves, do we have authority to do that? I don't see anything wrong, Monty, with taking something from you that's not mine. I don't see anything wrong with that. You don't, you know, that boat you've got in your backyard, you don't use it nearly enough. Um, you've got lots of nice things. I could really use a boat. I just don't really, I don't see anything wrong with taking that boat from you, Monty. Because I don't see anything wrong with it. I've got to go back to the authority of God's word. Do I have authority to do the things I do? Again, Colossians 3.17, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Got to have authority from God's word. Now, I can combine a couple other verses uh, to emphasize the importance of this. Romans chapter ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I get faith by what I can read in God's word, what I can hear presented from God's word. That's how I get faith. Romans chapter 14, verse 23 says, whatever is not of faith is sin. So if I can't have faith that what I'm doing is what God wants me to do, not because it seems right to me, not because I just can't see anything wrong with it, If I can't have faith that God said and instructed me 
to do this, then I don't have faith. It's sin, according to Romans chapter 14, verse 23, and Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So that then works together with this idea of Colossians 3:17 that everything I do has to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus or by his authority. You know, and the Bible tells us if we persist in sin, then we're going to be lost. And so we've got to have authority for what we're doing. If it's outside that authority, then we're participating in a sinful activity according to the principles you just talked to us about that was taught in Romans, and we're going to be lost because we're doing something wrong. Yes. So you have to have authority just because it seems right to you or you don't see anything wrong with it. That's not all that you need in order to know that you're right with God. See, the, the problem there is these things are really, as we're looking at this, it seems right to me or I don't see anything wrong with it is related to our conscience, and our conscience is only as good as our teaching has been. Yeah. So if we haven't been taught properly, then we're going to make our decisions, our judgment, how it seems right to us or whatever, based on an improper value system. Yeah. And therefore, we can't make sound decisions on based on that. Mohan says it is invalid, as our hearts can be deceitful. Rather, God's word alone is right. An example of this is it may seem right to solicit funds from unbelievers for the work of the church, but that is not authorized in the Bible. Thank you, Mohan. Good to hear from you tonight. Uh, Kent says, I don't see anything wrong with it. One may uh, see nothing wrong with certain things. However, acceptability with God is determined by objective truth, not subjective thinking. John eight thirty two. you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 17, verse 17, he references, uh, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Mm-hmm. How do we know what we ought to do. Not because we just don't see anything wrong with it, but because God's word tells us what we ought to be doing. And that's the only way, if we're trying to please God, that's really the only thing we've got to go by, is what did God say on the subject. Whatever the subject is, there'll be a principle taught in the Bible, either through a command or a principle taught, that will tell us if it's a right or wrong thing to do. So it's our obligation and our desire and should be our fervent need to study to see what God wants us to do. And you didn't just do that. You know, I'm thinking about the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul lived in good conscience before God. Mm-hmm. All of his life. Even while he was in direct opposition to God. Mm-hmm. In Acts chapter 26, verse 9, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He thought he was doing the right thing when he was killing Christians, persecuting Christians. He was doing exactly the opposite of what God wanted him to do, but his conscience was clear. He thought he was doing the right thing. He didn't see anything wrong with it. He illustrates so graphically to us that this idea, this reasoning that, well, it just seems right to me or I don't see anything wrong with it is dead wrong. Yeah, that, that, it's really important, I think, that the lesson we learn from him on that because actually under the law of Moses which was no longer in place at this time, he was doing the right thing. In the law of Moses, it, if somebody was teaching false teaching or blaspheming uh, the name of God, they were to be taken out and executed. So under the law of Moses, he was doing what would have been the right thing. But the law of Moses had been nailed to the cross. It was no longer in force. And Jesus' teachings was what we were supposed to be living under then. And he wasn't doing the right thing according to the law, the new law that was in place. Okay. Uh, Angela is down in Lake Park, Georgia tonight, and she references for the idea that it just seems right to me, Proverbs 14, verse 12, and Proverbs 16, verse 24, both passages which say the same thing. 
that it's not in man, or there's a way that seems right to the Lord, the end thereof are the ways of death. She says, apparently it was worth repeating. Says it twice. Pay attention. You know, really, ultimately, if God tells us something once, that should be sufficient. Yeah. I mean, that should, we, we can hang our hat on it, we can build our life on whatever he says if he just mentions it one time. That's right. Even if he mentions it in passing, that we ought to be able to, to just hang our, we firmly stand on that one. The fact that he mentioned that twice, we ought to pay extra special attention to it because he's trying to tell us and enforce and really embed in our mind that principle. Don't fall for the trap of thinking, well, it seems right to me. Yeah. That's doing that will end up with your soul being lost for the idea. She just that you just can't say anything wrong with it. She references the passage we did. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23. There's it's not in man that walketh to direct his own steps. Uh, he said she says we are not endowed with the right answers at birth. Like a child must learn good behavior from their parents. So we must learn how to direct our ways by reading God's word. I like that analogy she makes there of a child learning mm-hmm. how to behave by his, his or her parents instructing the child we're god's children and we need to take instruction from god not our own instruction but god's instruction imagine a a a child that was just left to his own devices money with no instruction from its parents and how to live and how to behave Uh, that would be a train wreck and so it is with us if we don't follow god that's right all right uh guest 7929 in the chat room says the expression let your conscience be your guide is not a good path let the bible be your guide i like that appreciate those comments tonight time for us to get a break and when we get back we want to look at the idea that someone says well it accomplishes good there's good that comes from this it must be right it must be the right thing to do because i think there's good that comes from it what about that we're going to get that on the other side of the break and we'll get your comments don't go anywhere the virtual bible study continues right after this enjoying the virtual bible study email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion there's more exciting bible study after this commercial hi i'm anthony petrochko a member of the college view church of christ thanks for listening to the virtual bible study we want to remind you that our website www.collegeview.com or www.thevirtualbiblestudy.com has lots of valuable study tools available for your use first you can find archives of all our past programs there we've covered a wide variety of topics including doctrinal issues moral and ethical questions and many things related to living daily as a christian and while we don't have a search engine option on our website website, remember that you can hit control F and type in a keyword. You'll then see that keyword highlighted on the page. For instance, if you hit control F and typed in the word worship, you'd find these past programs that we've conducted. Does it matter how we worship? What about contemporary worship and hand clapping? Our worship pleasing to God or pleasing to man? And instrumental music in worship? That's just an example, but you get the idea as to how the web page can be used to help in your study of various subjects. Also remember that we have copies of our church bulletin on the website, and these bulletins include articles on hundreds of topics. You'll also find some recorded sermons, some Bible tracts, as well as information about the College View Church. So be sure to check out the valuable resources on our website. Again, the address is collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And thanks again for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Be sure to tell others. Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and gather your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. 
Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. Hey, we're back on the program tonight, uh, and uh, they're signing in the chat room in YouTube tonight since our stream is over there tonight, not on our webpage. So we've got chat rooms in both places. Angela's signed in there. Kevin's signed in as well in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, Rita is listening in Johnson City, Tennessee. Sign in with uh, and, and comment with other listeners tonight. Let us know where you are. And uh, share your thoughts on the program. Lots of good comments coming in so far, and we would appreciate yours as well. Next up, we talked about a reason that we think is faulty, uh, a wrong way to determine what's right. Uh, the idea that it accomplishes good. I think this is a good thing to do because I think it accomplishes good. You know, I, to me, this seems like the right path, and I'm going to base that on not what God said about how I ought to proceed in this matter, not because I can go to God's word and say, well, this is what God would want me to do in this situation. But I'm going to do this because I think the end result would be good. It would accomplish something that I would deem as good. And so I'm going to do it. Well, when I think about that, uh, I thought about the scripture in Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if it's accomplishing good, I'll be able to read about it in the Scriptures. Because yeah. God decides whether it's good or not. Because there might be something, uh, some physical activity me and you are talking about doing, and you might not think it's a good thing, and I might think it's a great thing. It, yeah. it, it's just from our perspectives are different, our judgments in the matter are different. But as we're talking about, as we've been talking about tonight, pleasing God, God decides whether it's a good work or not. If what I'm doing is accomplishing good, God decides if it's good or not. And this passage in Second Timothy tells us that if it's good, we'll be able to read about it in the Bible. That's right. And Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, According to us, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. We have all that we need in the scriptures. Everything. And so if I want to do something... If I if I I want to know if this action is sanctioned by God, I don't have to look at what would come on the back side of that. What would be the result of that? I can look at God's word and say, does God authorize me? Does God approve of me doing this? And I can know for sure, based upon his word, if what I'm doing is appropriate. You know, as we mentioned in scripture a minute ago, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. It may seem like a great and wonderful good thing to us. We might be sure it's good, but that's in man's judgment. We need to look at the scriptures and see what the Bible says about it. And if it's a good thing, it's been written down for us and we'll know about it. You know, Kevin's in the chat room and he he mentions here uh, a a result of this. And really, when you think about it, these types of approaches and rationales lend us to the and lead us to the point of being very subjective. Mm hmm. In, in matters, and we can see that in the religious world today, and and a lot of that probably is from people following this type of reasoning to determine what's right and what's wrong. But it, it just breaks the whole equation down to just being subjective. As he said, I might not think your good thing is as good as my good thing, using his own judgment. And that that really does get us to the point where truth is subjective, Um and no one can really say anything's right or wrong because, well, Monty, you think it's good. I think it's a bad idea. 
But if I mean, who am I to say that what you're doing is wrong? Because I'm doing what I think is right. There's really no objective standard here. It's all very subjective. And so, you want to burn sacrifices to God, and I want to uh, do this. Well, well, you do what you want to do. I'll do what I want to do. And it's all very subjective, and nobody can say anything is wrong. You know, I'm reasonably certain that when Nadab and Abihu offered what God described as strange fire that they offered before the Lord, I'm sure that they thought it was accomplishing good. They thought it was a good thing that they were doing. I have no doubt about that. Otherwise, I'm sure they wouldn't have been doing it. But God was not satisfied with it. He wasn't pleased with it. He was actually greatly offended by it and caused the fire to consume them and kill them. So even though they thought it was good, God didn't think so. And he said it was something about which he had not commanded them. He didn't tell them to do that. He didn't ask for that. Yeah. So it wasn't a good thing. Yep. Kevin says the scripture tells me what is good. Theref- uh, that's our only basis for truth, therefore true good. And absolutely correct there. Rita says, if I don't know how to find, uh, uh, if I don't know how to, then find someone who is better qualified knowing where to find God's way. So Rita says, listen, we've got to be committed to knowing God's will for us through the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And if I'm having trouble understanding that, then get some help. Get somebody to help show me in the scriptures on how I ought to live, the things I ought to do, not just, well, I don't know, and so I'm just going to do what seems right to me. You know, we have an example of what was really actually a very humble man in the New Testament in that regard, and that's the Ethiopian eunuch. Because when Philip come up to him and could hear him reading and ask him, do you understand what what you're reading? He says, how can I if somebody doesn't explain it to me? Yeah. He was humble enough to admit, I don't know everything. Now, here he was a powerful official in charge of the queen of Ethiopia's treasury. He was a powerful man, but he was humble enough to say, I really don't understand what I'm reading about here, and I would sure like it if somebody could help me. And Philip gave him that help that he needed. We should have that same humility in our life to say, I don't know everything this passage is talking about. Can you help me understand it better? Or can you guide me to somebody that can help both of us understand it better? Yeah. Kent in Georgia says it's it, it, the idea if it accomplishes good, then it's okay. He says if any concept is not authorized by the New Testament, it's not good. And Angela says in 1 Samuel chapter 15, the prophet Samuel had uh, told King Saul's God's plan to utterly destroy everything of the Amalekites, not leaving anything alive, verse 3 of 1 Samuel 15. But Saul and his army spared some of the animals to sacrifice to God, verse 9 of chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. King Saul felt like it was going to accomplish good, but that was not what God had said to do. Instead of getting praise, God was now going to strip the kingdom from Saul's hands for his disobedience, verses 22 and 23 of 1 Samuel 15. Appreciate Angela for making that reference. I was going to use that reference on another point, but I think it's absolutely uh, applicable here. Saul was going to disobey God so that he could do what he thought was a good thing, and that is sacrifice to God. And God said, hey, that's not going to work. So just because it might accomplish what we think is good doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do if it violates God's will. You know, God, Samuel told Saul at that point, he said, God has pleasure in obedience, not in, in, in far and above what burnt sacrifices would be. So he's basically saying God wants you to do what he told you rather than what you wanted to do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go on to get one more before the break. Um, the idea that, well, this is going to be all right if it's done in Jesus's name. 
Ronnie, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it in Jesus's name. And so it'll be right. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something that, well, I don't know that the scriptures say to do it or not, but I'll do it in Jesus's name or claim to be do, doing it in Jesus's name. And it'll be all right. You know, there's a song as a uh, older rock and roll song, I guess, but it had a phrase in it and I can't remember who, who done the song, but there was a phrase in it that says, go ahead and hate your neighbor and go ahead and cheat a friend, but do it in the name of heaven. So you can justify it in the end. And the idea that that song was presenting forth in that lyrics was that do whatever you want to, but tack Jesus' name on the end of it, and it'll be okay. Well, that's not acceptable. God has never allowed us to decide what was right and, and what we was going to do in his name. As we mentioned a minute ago, doing things in the name of Jesus implies and carries with the idea of doing it by his authority. Well, if we're doing it in the name of Jesus or by his authority, we'll be able to read about it in the scriptures. I like Jer- uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23 for this discussion. I do idea of doing it in Jesus' name. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? They were doing stuff. They thought Jesus wanted them to do it, and they were doing it because they were trying to serve Jesus, trying to do what Jesus wanted them to do, but they were doing it wrong. They weren't following him. They weren't obeying him. They weren't doing what he said to do. Look what he said in verse 23 of Matthew 7, 23. I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. They weren't following Jesus' instructions. They were doing what they wanted to do, trying to serve Jesus, telling people we're doing this to serve Jesus. And they may have been as sincere as they could be in that. But they weren't following the instructions that God, Jesus had given them. And he said, depart from me. You were not following my instructions. So yeah. just doing it and saying that well, you're doing it in Jesus' name doesn't make it right. You know, if it's in Jesus' name, we'll be able to read about it in the Bible, in the New Testament. If we can't find it in there, then it's not in his name. It's not by his authority. All right, our email respondents uh, tonight, Angela says, when we do things in Jesus' name, we're doing things by his authority. If we're working without his biblical authority, then we're not doing it in his name. So she really says it's sort of an oxymoron. If you say you're doing it in Jesus' name, but you're not following his instruction, his will, you're not doing it in his name. That's what Jesus said here. They were practicing lawlessness, even though they said they were trying to do what he wanted them to do. They weren't because they weren't following his will. And then um, Kent says... Uh, uh, doing anything in the name of Christ requires that we accomplish such by his divine authority. If we cannot find a New Testament explicit statement, implication, or example for something, or if we cannot find generic authority for a particular act, it cannot be accomplished in Jesus' name. And he gets that back to the idea that it has to be done in based, based on authority if you're going to be doing it in Jesus' name. And it looks like my dad is signed on in Kentucky tonight. Uh, and he references that passage in Matthew seven twenty one and t- through 23 again. Uh, again, it, just because you say you're doing it in Jesus' name doesn't make it so and doesn't mean that Jesus is going to be happy with it. And it, it, it keeps boiling back to if you're doing it in Jesus' name, you can read about it in the New Testament. If you can't read about it there, then it's ultimately really and truly, if we're honest about it, in somebody else's name. That's right. We're going to get a break, get this week's bullet point, and when we get back, the next one we want to talk about is the idea, well, I'm going to do it, and it's going to be right because it brings glory to God. We ought to want to bring glory to God. We want to give want to give God the glory uh, for all things. We want to bring glory to God. Is it right if we say, well, it's going to bring glory to God, therefore it must be right? 
talk about that on the other side of the break. And we're also going to get to the idea that, well, the Spirit's leading me in this direction. I, I feel God sort of tugging me to do this. God's leading me to do this or that action. What about that? We're talking about both of those on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. There is no doubt that one of the conditions of our own forgiveness by God is that we forgive others who sin against us. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. He also taught us that we should extend this forgiveness again and again. Notice in Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22, it says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. The question arises, though, about a situation where an individual is not interested in our forgiveness. They do not ask to be forgiven and may, in fact, continue the offending act against us. What should our response be in such a situation? Jesus gave valuable information about dealing with this problem in Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. He said, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. The teaching here clearly indicates that forgiveness must be sought before it can be granted. We must be ready to forgive, willing to forgive, even anxious to forgive, but until the offender seeks our forgiveness, there is no way that forgiveness can be accomplished. A moment of reflection will remind us that this is exactly the pattern that God has established for us to be forgiven by Him. He is continually ready to forgive us, but we must repent and seek His forgiveness before we can receive it. It's worth noting that the apostles realized the difficulty of forgiving a brother who continues to commit the same offense over and over. After hearing his command in this matter, the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. That's Luke 17, verse 5. It takes a strong faith to fulfill the Lord's will concerning forgiveness. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the program tonight, and we'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you've never been to our website, it is thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We would encourage you to check it out. And if you've never contacted us, we would encourage you to send us an email. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. And we would just encourage you, if you don't have a question or comment, just say hello. Let us know that you're out there. Questions at collegeview.com. But if you do have a question or a topic that you think should be uh, considered for inclusion on the virtual Bible study in the future, send us that question or that topic to questions at collegeview.com. We'd love to consider your topic or question for a future edition of the virtual Bible study. That way we know at least one of our listeners would be interested in the topic that we're discussing, Monty. Yeah. Well, but hopefully all of our listeners are interested in the topics we discuss, but uh, we do like to hear from you. Uh, so give us an email, questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about the wrong ways that people use to determine the right way, the right thing to do on the program tonight. And the next one that we want to talk about is the idea that, well, this is the right thing to do because it will bring glory to God. I'm going to do this because I believe it's going to bring glory to God, and therefore it's got to be right if it brings glory to God. Money? Well, as we think about doing things to bring glory to God, the way we do that 
is by being obedient to what he's told us to do. In Numbers chapter 20, uh, we read the story about where the children of Israel were out of water, and God and uh, Moses and Aaron spoke to God about it, and God told them what to do. He told them to go down and uh, speak to the rock, and they would get water from it. We read in chapter 20, verse 11, so then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with the rod, and water came out. Uh, before that, in the verse 10, he says, Here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? He didn't follow the instructions God gave him, and he said, Must we, talking about him and Aaron, bring forth water? I don't think him and Aaron could make that rock sprout water if they beat on it a million years with that pole they had, with that rod they had. So he was basically, and then God tells him in verse 12, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you should not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. God says, Because you didn't give me the glory. In the raid, they didn't give him the glory. As they didn't follow instructions and they tried to take it, must we do it ourselves? So they didn't give God the glory. They, they didn't follow his instructions, so therefore he wasn't glorified. So if we're going to be doing something, trying to determine the right way to do something, we're going to do it the way God said to do it. Because otherwise, we're glorifying ourselves and our ideas and our conclusions rather than what did God have to say. Well, you, you, we hear it a lot in, in matters of worship as well, that we can worship God any way that we want as long as it brings glory to God mm-hmm. that, or what we determine to be glory to God. Worship him how you want. And, and maybe it, maybe that's rock rock and roll, contemporary Christian music. Maybe that's something more extreme. There's a bull riding, I think, that goes on yeah. up in a church in Ohio. Well, there's um, one up here in Franklin they, or Nashville they, that they, does that, they, too. They do that. So bull riding during the worship service. And no doubt they think that that worship service is bringing glory to God. And they probably talk about, oh, praise God, you know, I wrote him for eight seconds or whatever. They think they're bringing glory to God. But we have an exact an example of folks doing that in the Old Testament. In Leviticus chapter 10, the familiar story of Nadab and Abihu, they are worshiping God. They are engaged in worshiping God. And so according to the standard of people today, well, that would bring glory to God, and therefore it's got to be okay. You call it worship, you do it to glorify God, it's okay. Notice what it says in Leviticus 10, verse 1. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. So they're offering this fire. It was from a source, it appears, that was not authorized by God. It was strange fire. How's God feel about that? Well, they're worshiping me. They're bringing glory to me. Everything's okay. No, look at verse 2. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. God didn't say, hey, you're bringing glory to me. You're worshiping me. I'm fine with it. He struck them dead. That shows us that just because we may say, well, it brings glory to God, doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Now, here's the other side of that coin. If we're not obeying God, we're not glorifying him. Drop down to verse 3 of Leviticus chapter 10. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. They disobeyed God. And when they disobeyed God, they didn't bring glory to God. In fact, they thumbed their noses at God, and mm-hmm. they disrespected God and showed God that we don't care about you. You're not important enough 
to direct our steps and to tell us what to do. We're going to do it our way. And so when we do things without authority, that's what we're doing to God. We're saying, God, I don't care what you say or what you think. This is the way I want to do it. And when you do that, you're not glorifying God, even though you may say, well, it brings glory to God and it's okay. What we're telling God is, God, you just really didn't have the capacity to know what was the best way that you should be worshipped. And we're smarter than you. And this way we've decided on is better than your way. Yeah. And it, uh, that's terribly presumptuous of us to do things like that. All right. Uh, in the chat room, Jared references uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 uh, says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Uh, obviously, we, uh, we've got to submit to God's will in our lives. Kent says, uh, if such is not authorized by divine warrant, it will not bring glory to God. Such will rather bring God's condemnation and eternal wrath. He references that passage in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Angela says in Malachi chapter 1, we read of people, the people of Israel and how they made lots of sacrifices to the Lord. But what we see is that they were sacrificing blind, sick, and, and lame animals. It wasn't bringing glory to God at all. He even said of his temple, oh, that uh, there were one of you among you who would would shut the doors, Malachi chapter 1, verse 10. So they were worshiping God there in Malachi, and God said, I can't stand it. I wish they'd shut the door and quit. Yeah. It does matter how we worship God. It does matter what we do. We just can't do whatever we want and say, well, it's bringing glory to God. God it may be getting his belly full of it and say, enough's enough. Cut it off. You know, realistically, when we do it our way rather than God's way, we're mocking God. Yeah. We're, we're making a mockery of him, and, you know, we're, we're setting ourselves up as God, really and truly. Concerning the way they were treating him, he asked in Malachi chapter 1, verse 6, If I am a father, where is my honor? If I'm a master, where is my fear? To bring glory to and honor to God, we must walk in a manner worthy of him. She references 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12. Thank you for those good comments, Angela. You know, we, we should have such a, a fear of God to where we'd be afraid of not doing things the way he wanted it done. Not not presumptuous to will decide how he wanted it, but we'd be afraid That's to right. not. I mean, if we understand properly that hell is a place of eternal punishment, a, a miserable, agonizing place, and it's not ever going to be over with, we ought to be just shaking in our shoes scared that we might somehow mess up and go there. Yeah. And And if we love God like we ought to, we should have such a desire to be pleasing to him that we want to do everything exactly the way he says to do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, some good comments in the chat room tonight. Um, Annalisa asks, uh, what does fire mean in the context? I mean, uh, what does strange fire, uh, she says, what does strange fire mean? Well, I, I, strange fire would have mean fire that wasn't authorized. Yeah, something different than what God From had wanted. From some source other than God wanted mm-hmm. is what we uh, understand that to mean. Uh, Kevin says, God giving individual revelation to all people would just breed more confusion. All right. God's wisdom shows forth in a fixed, public, historically accurate, corroborated, widely available revelation that cannot be changed by the whim of man. Good point. Yeah, uh, I like that. Uh, Because if, well, it's what we see in the religious world today, confusion. Mm -hmm. Because people aren't uh, adhering to a fixed, public, historically accurate, corroborated, widely available revelation that cannot be changed by the whim of man. You know, People are doing what they want to do, and so we see the confusion. Yeah, and that does not glorify God when we're behaving that way. And I like what Rita says. Rita says, David and Nathan said we will build a, a house for God, but God said, I didn't tell you to build the house. So they would have thought, you know, we're going to bring glory to God. We're going to build him a temple. It's going to be an elaborate temple. It's going to be nice. All kinds of glory for God here. 
God said, okay, if you're going to do that, that's fine. No, God said, when did I tell you that I wanted you to build me a temple? Well, you know, you have to admire David, it, and God even makes that reference to him, that you admire, it's, I'm glad you wanted, you're thinking about it, doing something special for me. And you got to admire David. He didn't just take it on himself to, I'm going to do this. And he was the king he could have. He had the resources available to do it. But he even went and spoke to Nathan the prophet about it. You know, it's not just, I think it's a great idea, I'm going to do it. It's, I think it's a great idea, I'm going to talk to a prophet of God about it. Yeah. Nathan said, it's a great idea, go for it. Then God comes back to Nathan and says, you go tell David, when did I ever ask for that? Yeah. Throughout all the things in his dealings with man, when had he ever asked Here's for that? Here's what God said. He said, go tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, shall thou build me a house to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but I've walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people, saying, Why build ye not me a house of cedar? God says, Did I ever tell anybody that I wanted this? You know, and he said, spake out a word. Did I ever even drop a hint about that? You know, I never said one word about now, it. So it might have seemed right to you. It might have not. You couldn't see anything wrong with it. You thought it might accomplish a lot of good. You thought it might even bring glory to God. God said, did I ever tell you to do that? No. You better not be doing that. So if it's going to glorify God, that principle that he set forth there is, I'll tell you about it if it's going to glorify me. So if we're doing something that we can't find authority for in the New Testament, we're not glorifying God. We're glorifying ourselves. Let's get our last break, Monty, and we're going to go fast on the other side. Uh, you, you talk too much. I know. <laughs> no, it's good discussion tonight. Uh, but we want to we want to talk more about this idea of wrong ways that people are determining the right thing to do. We're going to go fast on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hi, I'm Jerry Fralix. I'm a member of uh, College View Church of Christ here in Columbia, Tennessee, and I have a few words to say. Occasionally, we hear parents who say that they don't want to force religion on their children. These misguided folks think they're doing their kids a favor by letting them decide for themselves. They're afraid that there will be some resentment in their children later if religion had been crammed down their throats. If we may be absolutely blunt in response, that is one of the most ridiculous ideas anyone ever suggested. We force many things on our children. We insist that they bathe, brush their teeth, change their clothes, etc. We cram education down their throats by making them attend school regularly. We demand that they do their homework. We force them to eat good food, get adequate rest, and do other things that are important to their health and development. We do all of this because we know it is in their best interest, and we do it even when the kids don't like it. Why is it this such a common sense approach is neglected by parents who are determined to let the kids decide for themselves when it comes to religion? Dr. James Dobson writes, There's a critical period when certain kinds of instruction are easier in the life of children. There is a brief period during childhood when youngsters are vulnerable to religious training. Their concepts of right and wrong are formulated during this time, and their views of God begin to solidify. The opportunity of that period must be seized when it is available. The absence or misapplication of instruction through that prime time period may place a severe limitation on the depths of the child's later devotion to God. When parents withhold indoctrination from their small children, allowing them to decide for themselves, the adults are almost guaranteeing that the youngsters will decide in the negative. God's Word has always taught us the truth on the subject. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22.6 My name is Roger Toombs, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. 
Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight, and we're going to go fast to the top of the hour looking at wrong ways that people try and determine what is the right thing to do. The next one up is they. someone might say, well, I feel the Spirit leading me to do this. Well, let's go to what our listeners have to say. Kent says, truth is not determined in our day by a direct leading of the Holy Spirit. Such is determined by what the Holy Spirit revealed in the first century. John 17, 17, 2 Timothy 3, 16, and 17 verses that we've touched on already tonight. And Angela says, uh, if what they were saying coincided with biblical teachings, like helping people, changing jobs so they won't have to work during worship services, etc., I would tell them that that's a great uh, it's great that they are aligning their conscience with God's word, but we are in the word, reading and studying, we'll be more likely to happily make spiritual choices and sacrifices that will surprise us. I would say that it is what uh, it, that is what it really is. When they felt moved to do what is against the Bible, I would tell them that it probably wasn't from God then, and she references Second John verse nine. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're this, I feel the Spirit kind of thing. Uh, we're told our worship is supposed to be according to knowledge. Jesus, uh, Paul talked about how the Jews had zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So we're not talking about feelings. We're talking about what does the Bible say. Uh, if the Spirit's leading us to do something, we'll be able to read about it in the Bible. Well, there, there'll be a principle taught there that that's the, what the Spirit is using the Spirit to lead us. The Spirit wouldn't himself. No. So even if he did come <clears throat> to me and nudge me or lead me, he wouldn't lead me in something contrary to God's word. I have, I'd have to check everything that I think I'm going to do by the, the word of God. Because the Bible tells us God's not the author of confusion. What the Spirit is, I was talking to a fellow one time and pointed out some practice he's doing that was clearly in contradiction of the Bible. And he said, well, the Spirit leads you one way and he leads me another. Well, if the Spirit's leading me to do something and he's leading you to do something, it's exactly the opposite and they both can't be right, then that would put God being the author of confusion. And that's not how God works. That's right. All right, next up. I saw, I had a dream. I saw a vision that said this was the right thing to do, and so I'm going to do it. Well, I, I don't. I believe we can prove by the principles taught in the Bible that the days of these visions and dreams that were during the Bible times, were in first century times, has ceased. Yep. And so if I've had a dream or a vision, it wasn't from God. Okay. Uh, and it, it can't be if the Word of God, if the Bible is true. Okay. Um <laughs> Well, what did Angela say? Angela says we have the complete word of God revealed to us. We don't need anything beyond it. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Again, if, it, if anything they proclaim goes against the Bible, we should read Galatians 1, verses 6 through 9. Yeah. Uh, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel than, what you, uh, than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. So you can't just follow what, what you think the, you saw in a dream if it's contrary to what God's word said. That's right, because you know, the the Spirit's not going to contradict himself. He's going to be consistent, and God has been consistent throughout recorded time. Everything we know about God, is he's been consistent, and so he, we expect that he would continue to be that way. And so if we're getting a dream or whatever we got that's different from the Bible, then it's condemned. It's, it's We're not supposed to follow it. She references maybe somebody saying, well, God showed me my future spouse. Uh, she said, I would warn them against that. Sometimes we want things so badly that we can mislead ourselves, and so... We can be misled and think that we saw something from God or had a dream, and it really wasn't from God. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, (laughs) Kent says, once I ate too much chili one night prior to going to bed. I had a dream, and I thought I had inherited $1 million. Such did not make uh, such thought patterns in my dream true. Dreams and so-called modern-day visions do not constitute divine authority. Such only 
comes by the means of the word of God. All right. Good comments there. All right. We've got to go fast. Monty, speed round here. Uh, number eight. Well, it's better to do this than to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to pursue this path because it's better to do this than that. Maybe you know, I'm going to uh, smoke marijuana because it's better to do that than it would be some other drugs. Or I, you know, I'm 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 just drinking alcohol. I'm not going to do the other stuff. Yeah, because it's better to do that. Well, I, I like what Kent says on that. He says we're not discussing what's better, but we're discussing what's authorized. The only way we can know what is authorized is by following the scripture. And again, we reference Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. So we're not talking about this being better than that or something like that. Where what we're saying is what's right or what's wrong. Yeah. It, and if it's right, then it's going to be a good thing to do because we've read about it in the scriptures. We find authority in the scriptures to do it. And if we can't find that, then it's wrong. It's not better or worse. It's right or wrong. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. Here's what, here's what, look, listen to what Angela said. In a young people's Bible class, I once heard that some girls agreeing that it was better to wear skin tight jeans rather than a mini skirt because at least they were covered. If our only two options are both wrong or immodest in this case, then we need to think outside the box, or maybe we need to rethink our priorities while we're at it. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a good example of that. Uh, and uh, Kent says we're not discussing what is better, but rather what is authorized. The only way we can know what is authorized is by following the scriptures. Thank you for that, Kent. Number 10. No, number 9. Number 9. My preacher or my pastor or my priest or fill in the blank said it is okay. Well, your preacher, your pastor, your priest, or whoever, whatever title you choose to give the person, uh, is just a man and could be wrong. You know, he's, he's going to be telling you what he thinks is okay, I'm sure. But it really doesn't matter what he, I can tell you I think something's okay, but if it's not coinciding and, and consistent with what the Bible says, then I'm wrong. Yep. So I need to look, if my, if I say it's okay, then you need to be studying the Bible and finding out was I right or wrong on that subject. If I'm wrong, then you need to come back and tell me, hey, Monty, the Bible says right here you're wrong. You're going to have to change your way of thinking. Right. If they're not in, so you're saying a preacher or a pastor or a priest is not infallible. They're not, they may know more about the Bible than I do in some areas. But I need to check what they but say. But I need to see what the Bible says about it. Uh-huh. That's right. Uh, Angela says our preachers are human and make mistakes. We should be searching the scriptures for ourselves to find the truth. No matter who is speaking to us, she, re- she references the Bereans yeah. in Acts 17, verse 11, searching the scriptures. And uh, Kent says, perhaps, or said, preachers, pastors, and priests are only human and can't be misled themselves and therefore be wrong and in sin. He references 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4, and 2 Corinthians 11, 13 and 14. Thank you, Kent, for that. And then, Monty, other Christians are doing it. It must be right. I'm going to do this because, well, I can see other Christians who are doing it, and so therefore it must be right. Well, my first thought on that may be a little blunt or something. But when, as we understand what the word Christian means, it was first was used in Acts. It says that the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So a Christian is a disciple of Christ. Well, what is a disciple? We will look up that word. Is somebody that's patterned their life after the actions or teachings of a certain teacher or a certain belief system. So if it's something that's questionable and we say, well, other Christians are doing it, if they're wrong in it, then maybe they're really not Christians because if they're, if they're doing something that you can't find in the Bible – then they're not patterning their life after Jesus. They're not following his teachings, so they really don't qualify themselves as his disciples. Therefore, they're not Christians. But but even so, just because somebody else is doing it doesn't make it right. It kind of gets back to an example of 
of when we was kids and wanted to do something, we asked our parents about, no, you can't do that. Well, why not? Everybody else is doing it. Well, their answer to me was always not everybody else because you're not going to. But the, it doesn't matter who else is doing it. Uh, everybody else can be doing lots of wrong things, but they're still wrong things. Yeah. Uh, Angela references 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, evil companions corrupt good morals. She says, just because others are doing it doesn't make it right. If other Christians around us are sinning, then our job is to correct them. Mm-hmm. And Kent says, others, uh, uh, many people do great, uh, a great many things, but that doesn't make it acceptable to God. He references Matthew 17, Matthew 7, 13 and 14, the idea of, there's going to be a lot of people who are doing wrong, mm-hmm. and we're going to have to be prepared to be uh, stand alone in that matter. Yeah, we we got to stand up for what's right. It doesn't matter who's doing it or not doing it or whatever. If it's what the Bible says, then we need to stand on it firmly, and we'll receive our reward in heaven. And if we cave in, then ultimately that means t- really and truly we've denied Christ, and he's going to deny us before the Father. You know, I, I think about this, uh, Peter in, sec- in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. He was not associating with Gentiles. He was sinning. He was mm-hmm. not following God's will in that matter. And yet there were, and there were other Christians who went along with him. Yeah. And they probably looked and said, well, well Peter's doing this. This He's is Peter's apostle. path of course of action, so it must be okay. They needed to align themselves with God's word rather than with what someone else might be doing. Yeah. We asked for a bonus question tonight. Got a lot of comments on those. There's some other things that people hear. Uh, Kent says he hears or knows of people who say, well, one cannot know for sure what truth is. You can't really know what truth is. He says that's false reasoning. If they say they are absolutely certain about such a statement, then they have given up what they have just affirmed. Furthermore, Christ does not identify the existence of, uh, Christ does identify the existence of absolute objective truth that one can certainly know. Uh, and so that's a good one that people say, well, I'm going to do this, and I, I think it's going to be okay because, well, you can't really tell what's right or what's wrong. You just got to do it. Uh, so interesting. Uh, Angela, let's see, she, Angela didn't comment on that one. Donna da- is down in Florida. Donna was listening tonight. I hope she's still out there. She's like, I guess I'm responding to the bonus question. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, the Bible tells us that Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. He spent all night praying to God. Then when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12. We should always pray to God, our Father, to give us guidance before making a decision. What seems right to me or others may not be what God wants us to do. An example of this is years ago I wanted to buy a house. I prayed about it, and God slammed the door on it. Although I didn't think so at the time, it really was the best decision for me. We certainly need to pray for wisdom, yeah. uh, and God and tells us to do that in James chapter 1. So certainly we need to be praying for wisdom to make the right decisions. Uh, that's a scriptural uh, concept there. Mm-hmm. Chris uh, references some that he has heard, grace will cover me. I'm going to do this, and it may be wrong, but grace will cover me. Wow. Uh, that, that, uh, I think Luke or Jared referenced uh, uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 1 for that. Uh, I believe once saved, always saved, so I'll be okay. I'm going to do this. Who cares? Once saved, always saved. Well, if you could find that taught in the Bible, it'd be okay. Yep. And then finally, uh, Chris says, uh, a co-worker used one not too long ago when we were talking about the problem of lust. He said, God created me with, with these desires, so he'll just have to understand. He said, my mouth fell open at that statement. Well, some people do justify their actions and say that, well, this is right. Well, just that's the way God made me, and I can't, I can't help it, in other words. Well, God may have made us with these desires, but he also commanded us to control them. 
yep. to control ourselves. We're supposed to be a disciplined people. That's what he calls us to be. Uh, I was talking to a fellow one time, and he was talking about the woman he'd spent the weekend with and the fornication they'd done. And I said, well, you call yourself a Christian. That's wrong. He said, well, God made me that way. He understands. You know, it's that same phrase. I said, well, God understands that. He said, don't do that. Yeah. And, I mean, it's really simple. God said don't do that, and that's what God understands is he's told us don't do that. So it don't matter how we excuse it. It don't matter. We can say God made me that way. He made me with the capability of controlling myself and containing myself, and I need to do it. Yep. Okay. Finally, uh, in the chat room tonight, I missed some comments from my dad. He's, he referenced Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, when we look at other Christians and say, well, other Christians are doing it. It must mm-hmm. be okay. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Yeah. Don't be using others as your standard of right and wrong. Monty, that was a rapid fire discussion tonight. Uh, we, we, it was a foot race. Yeah. But it was a good discussion. Well, I think we brought out a lot of important, important biblical truths. And if people disagree with them, we'd be glad to discuss it with them and try to sit down with our Bibles and figure out what the truth really is on the subject. And uh, Annalisa uh, agrees with you, Monty, about controlling ourselves. She, uh, she says self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. All right. Uh, thank you, Monty, for being here tonight. Thanks Appreciate for letting me come and help. You. Uh, thank you for being a part of the discussion and being on the other end of the line tonight. And, again, we want to hear from you if you have any questions, any comments, you agree or disagree, or you want to suggest a, a topic for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Maybe you just want a question that's answered doesn't even have to be a question. It would take an hour to discuss, maybe a short answer to that question. But you just would like to hear the answer, like to hear it discussed in this format. Send that uh, suggestion to questions at collegeview.com. We'd love to hear from you. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion tonight. We hope you make plans to be back here this, next, this, week, this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.